I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the Boston DraftKings studio. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for y'all. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Roku, and more. Live 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. PJ Carlissimo, the coach, going to join us today. Take a look at a little bit of NBA action uh, that we got going on here. We're also going to relish in some Thursday night football. Look ahead. We talked to Ryan Fitzpatrick yesterday about that, but plenty to break down with that game. But, Dad, uh, as you get ready to load up your sprinter van and head back to Arizona, the sinking feeling of dread washing over you is only matched by the sinking feeling of dread around that city as they now officially lose yeah. the World Series last night to the Texas Rangers. I'm not I'd imagine they feel worse, but it feels like a close second for you right now based on everything I've heard pre-show. They certainly feel worse, but you know, they're they're getting close to the weekend. They'll get over it. You know, they'll they'll move on. They'll say, <laughs> Wait, hey, they're getting close to the weekend. Like, oh, you know what? You lost, but at least it's going to be Friday. Well, tomorrow. no, that's Am exactly right. right. You, you, you lost. It's right by the weekend. We're going to go to the weekend. It's Arizona. So it's going to be in the 80s or 90s. So kind of like, you know, sports fans in L.A. Well, you know what? Our team's not d- didn't do well in this particular situation. We got other stuff to oh, do. I, so I, you know what? I didn't realize you were referring to the fans for a second. I thought you were referring to the players. It's like, well, you oh, lost. No, 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 Friday. no, no, no. I was referring to the fans. Uh, no, no, the fans, the players. It. This one's going to sting for a bit. And then, you know, you, you get to look back and and say, 
you know, even though they got basically routed in this three in a row losing at home, it's still just like I, I've said about those that that hate losing the Super Bowl or you guys getting smoked in the in the in the college football championship yeah, game. Thanks. You can't. I, but seriously, you can't win the title unless you're there. So you know what? They were there. They got beat three to one. I get it. Uh, it's going to go down as a very low-rated World Series. But you know who doesn't care is those players. Those players say, don't though, care. You're right. They can take solace in the fact that not that many yes. people saw them lose. Yeah. <laughs> That's There's one point. way to look at and, it, Jesse. And once you get to the offseason, basically every day can be Friday if you want it to be. Well, it's so exactly you've got right. a whole host of Fridays coming up. And that's how it is, you know. You it's like in the football playoffs because there's only one game, you know, uh, in the NFL, college too. But in the NFL, through the playoffs to the Super Bowl, it's like you go in with high hopes, and then you lose, and all of a sudden the next day you're cleaning out your locker. You were ready to make this run, and now you're cleaning out your locker. Yeah, and every day in the off season is like a Friday for you. So it's obviously series in the other sports. But this game ends. They can't come back. As we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this game, obviously. But it's over now. They're waking up today going, it's over. <laughs> Season's over. You know, we we, we stop. So they, they get into their – and they'll get into their routines pretty quickly. That That's just how it works. I am – you're right, Mike. I am scared to death. I am not Mr. Technology. The amount of equipment that I have in this room that was brought here and set up for me – still obviously is in this room. I have to transport it all to Arizona and set it up again for the show Monday. I won't be on tomorrow because we'll be driving, uh, me and my wife and the three dogs and my son Jake, taking everything to Arizona, and then I have to reconstruct this there. So Monday will be the big test at, at 8 o'clock Eastern when, that, when we're live. What will this look like? Will it be like this or will I be on my computer because I couldn't hook anything up because I've labeled wires that I have to unhook already. And as soon as the show ends, I have to dismantle everything and we get in the car and go. So I've taken pictures, I've taken movies, but I fear, Mike, you know me, none of that's going to help. When I look at said picture or movies that I'm taking, I'm going to go, what the hell is that a picture of? What is that a movie of? And I'm going to be sitting there with a bunch of wires not plugged into the right ports. Yeah, I feel like for a lot of technical trades, they always say your best way to learn about something is you know taking it apart and then putting it back together. A lot of people no. will do that with computers. People that love old automobiles will take apart a car and kind of help reconstruct it as they're going through all of that. That is not going to be something that is your strong suit. The only advantage you have is my younger brother, yep. Jake, potentially right. being around for yep. that because he's the only one of us that got that gene. You're the son of a bricklayer. Yep. Uh, you're, you know, uh, your late father was able to build out the entire addition on your yeah. guy's house when you were growing yeah. up as kids, and you received exactly zero of that. I, like, I, you've I, got much more practical skill than most, yeah. and you were in charge of making sure all the usual stuff, like we knew how to change a tire and jump a car and do a lot of the basic stuff, but anything beyond that really is just completely out of your reach, but right in Jake's wheelhouse. So I'd say he's your best bet at tech support, yep. and right. if not... We are going to drastically improve that sh this show by having it be just me and Jesse on Monday. That'll yeah, basically that, be what this yeah. comes to. Well, just just Jesse, be ready uh, because I'm just not sure how it's going to go. And Mike, you're right. I wish my dad was a bricklayer, and I'd work side jobs with him, and I'd watch him, you know, lay the brick and and and, and build steps, build chimneys, driveways, everything, and just the way he did it when he had to crack a brick in half, he did it perfectly every time. And I was like. 
man, I wish I could do that. But it carried on to everything else. He could do electrical, carpentry, everything. And it just, I was so bummed I didn't get it. And nobody else in my, uh, my brothers, Greg or Bob, really got it. It seems to only be Jake. Out of you, Jake, and Sydney, Jake is the one that could just walk into a room and basically try and build something and, and not have it, you know, fall apart or, or blow up a house. Uh, I, I wish I could do that. I'm sure, Mike, you wish you had some of that as well. Uh, I'm sure the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks also wish they had won more than one game. So <laughs> yeah. everyone's got things that they wish they wanted in here. Uh, CJ Nikowski, the analyst for the Texas Rangers, going to join us later in the show to recap a lot of this. But, Dad, part of this is, you know, some things change, some things stay the same. Corey Seager, no matter what team he's on, is destined to be the World Series <clears throat> MVP and go out there and make things happen. He is named the MVP yet again, as he was during the title run for the Los Angeles Dodgers just a few years ago before he came over here for half a billion dollars so uh, yeah it's exactly right he uh and Simeon and a pitcher I forgot I think it was Graham I'm not sure the pitcher the three of them came over for half a mil there's so many notes and stats in this game and since you mentioned Seager off the top he was the MVP in the five games he had three home runs six RBI he is now the fourth player to win multiple MVPs what and these names Sandy Koufax Bob Gibson and Reggie Jackson are the other three. And by the way, Reggie Jackson and Corey Seager are the only two that have won one with one team and one with another. Uh, Reggie Jackson did it with the Yankees and the A's. And now you have Seager with the Dodgers and uh, the Rangers. It, it is one of the more impressive stats because I think it reminds you how infrequent success is in baseball yes. for all the obvious reasons. About I was the sport. surprised at this stat. Yeah. I, I was blown away when that number was only four because. I think in so many other sports, and this is probably the sports like basketball specifically that comes to mind where we in the modern era especially associate so much of your worth as a player with finals MVPs. It's not even the regular season MVP anymore. We so prorate the postseason, and we've been so used to the greatest players our sport has to offer at minimum having one or two of these things on their mantle. And so to know in baseball there's only four guys that have ever been the multiple-time world Series MVP is just a reminder of how infrequent that's all been and what a real outlier things like the Astros run even in the ALCS has been over seven straight over the last seven years is a remarkable feat because in this sport you're not supposed to be able to get this close this often because of all that randomness yeah I, I agree this that this stat probably stunned me the most I kept looking for more I'm like wait is it is it you know even narrower or is it it just was overall? I was I was amazed at this in a again a sport that has tons of stats and there's tons to go over uh, for this. But listen, this was a good game. I mean, you know, no score going into the seventh on this game, so you had a bit of a, a pitcher's duel working. Zach Gallon was was awesome throwing no hitter through six uh, for Arizona, but Evaldi threw well even though he didn't he didn't give up any runs. He walked I think five. Did Nathan Evaldi? He was five and zero oh in this postseason, incredibly well and did incredibly well. But yeah, from the seventh on and then the ninth, it just blew up. Uh, for Arizona in a bad way, blew up in a good way for Texas, and that was it. They were they were popping champagne. Yep, so congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Like I said, we'll visit uh, with yeah. their crew in a little bit and talk even more about that. But to do this in the last two games after getting the news that not only were you down Scherzer, but Adolis Garcia, who had been yep. your best player in a lot of ways, or at the very least one of your most spark plug players during the postseason, and then to respond this way, really, really impressive. We will get to more of that as we go along in the show. 
But guys, it is Thursday, which means we are getting close to having a breakdown and game plan this weekend. We got a lot of football working during the season. And so we want to get to three for Thursday. A couple of uh, food for thought munchies that we've got for the upcoming NFL Week 9 slate. And it is a doozy. Like when we got off last weekend in the NFL, everyone I saw was already immediately looking over at all the tantalizing goodies that we've got coming up this weekend. Certainly some of the best matchups in the sport when you look against it, Miami and Kansas City. Right. Uh, you've got the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals playing Sunday night football in primetime. You've got the Chargers of the Jets on Monday night football. JK, that's going to be Yeah, I was going to say. you got Seahawks so and Ravens, which, uh, yeah. which I think will be a good one as well. Way to throw that other no. game in there. You can't Yeah, no, going to be a lot of good job. stuff, but uh, let's get to a couple that we want to look at okay. here, Dad. Starting this weekend, I think all eyes are understandably, in a different way, going to be on the Las Vegas Raiders, who just fired Josh McDaniels yesterday. We all woke up in the wee hours of the morning or out here the late hours of the night and saw that news. Dad, yes or no, the Raiders will beat the Giants this week and then lose the rest of their games, as they have affectionately <laughs> dubbed in our group the Jeff Saturday. Yeah, because remember, Jeff Saturday came in for the Colts uh, and won his first game. I believe it was against the Raiders, against right? Against the Raiders, yes. Yeah. We and should the, have known, by yeah, the way, yeah. things were going badly then. And listen, a lot of us were rooting for Jeff. We know Jeff. We love oh, Jeff yeah. at that point. Great it had guy. been such an odd yeah. story in the world of sports. And so for them to go out there and get that win then was simultaneously great. But then as the season went along, we kind of saw what that turned into. We should have, in hindsight, had a lot more worry. Because didn't the Raiders also lose the game against the Rams when Baker Mayfield showed up on short yes. notice that yeah. week? Baker came so, in on Thursday and played on that Sunday and led like a game-winning drive. It was amazing. But to your point, uh, like you said, Saturday loses, wins that first game and then lost his last seven. So what's going to happen here? As we mentioned, Josh McDaniels fi fired. They fired the, the OC as well, Mick Lombardi who wasn't even calling plays. Remember, Josh McDaniels was the one calling plays, so quarterback coach Bob <laughs> Hardigan. him, I'm looking up I know. this. Like, I didn't do well, this. What the hell did I do? I don't, like, <laughs> give me a chance to call some plays here, and you're, you're you know, brushing me out the door. i here ready to yeah. cook, and y'all been letting Josh do this. I, exactly, exactly. So Bob Hardigree, the quarterback coach, he is going to be, he was promoted offensive coordinator. He's going to he's gonna call the plays. And why I say no, Mike, I don't think they win this game. They, they are, they're going to start the rookie, right? Aiden O'Connell. So he's going to get the time. And while we talked about Giants and Jets last week on just what a direct game it was, plucked out of that is the Giants and Jets both have really good defenses. The Jets we knew about, the Giants defense is playing pretty well. And this offense is absolutely anemic. For the Raiders, and now it's being led by a rookie. Now we, we may get that un incredible game. Now Aiden has played a little bit before, but we all, we all have Will Levis on the mind coming in and throwing four touchdowns uh, in the first game he got in. As he's going to play start tonight uh, for the Titans against the Steelers, but you do have a rookie quarterback. You got you got talent out there. Obviously, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and Jacoby Myers, and, and and you do have talent out there. Hunter Renfro, if they ever feel like throwing to him again. But they haven't already, so I, I don't see a lot changing, and I think the Giants' defense has been playing pretty well. Let's see who's going to lead them at quarterback. So I'm going to go no on this one, and, and I, I don't think it's going to be this magical first game with a new coaching staff. Uh, let's see if Antonio Pierce can get the boys fired up. Here he was at his introductory presser this weekend talking about this game. But it's a new day. It's a new chapter. It's a new era, it's a new mindset. What is that mindset? 
is that of the rate of pride, the commitment to excellence, and making sure our alumni, our fan base, and Raider Nation are proud of what they see on the field. What does that look like? Tough, passionate, effort, energy, that enthusiasm that you see when we all watched our kids and these young men who are now pro athletes play when they're in Pop Warner, having that love for the game. We're on the same page, Champ and myself, our staff is connected. We had a great team meeting this morning. Everybody was steely-eyed and focused. We walked in with a smile on our face. The synergy, the energy in this building, and the personality of our players will reflect on who we are as Raiders. So this is not Antonio Pierce's fault, but I think what we've seen recently as a trend in the NFL is an inverse correlation between introductory press conference performance and overall team performance. Yeah. When yeah. you look at the Jonathan Gannons of the world, the Nick Sirianni's of the world, on and on down the list, guys that have come out and not looked great in their introductory press conference as of late have reversed the Adam Gase trend where they seem to perform well on the field. So I'm a little worried because Antonio Pierce was too buttoned up and had that speed too dialed in for the first time around so it's always like what's the attitude of the players in a coaching change you know is there kind of a a re-energized you know they re-energized a bit and i'll say this how they can get re-energized if antonio pierce just cuts down the meeting time because yes from, from all you heard was how long and droning on the josh mcdaniels meetings were and and just how bored the players got with it and you can sit there and say hey this is your job just deal with it and go play but it got pretty mundane from what we've heard in that locker room and those meeting rooms. So just just cutting meeting time down may, may fire up the players a little bit. Yeah, when you try and do the Patriot way without any of the Patriot results, which is yeah, what we've seen is a common exactly. mistake made by Belichick disciples, you end up getting a team that just kind of doesn't want to hang out with you. So, yes, yep. Antonio Pierce has a chance to zag. Worth noting, by the way, I saw a lot of Jim Harbaugh edits in Raiders apparel yesterday that Antonio Pierce <laughs> is also a former college coach who left amidst scandal at Arizona State mm -hmm. last time we saw him coaching. So some precedent if you're a Raiders fan who's hoping that Jim Harbaugh looks longingly at what you guys got going on here. But I'd agree, Dad. I don't think they win this one. It sounds like Daniel Jones is getting ready to be back. But this is definitely must-win territory for the Giants on the other yep. side, whose season's yep. also in right. a bit of a tailspin here. Uh, Jesse, let's get to our next one up here. And Mike McDaniel, who continues to be – this is also, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels, while we don't like anyone getting fired, it does make the McDaniels-McDaniel thing a lot easier now going forward. Sure does. And Mike McDaniel went and brought his comedy stylings to Germany, <laughs> the man we know and love. Check out the way he opened his presser. And guys, it was with a height joke. See, Owen, I know what you guys are thinking. I'm bigger in person. You're right. This is a bigger room. So it didn't really like it. Not much it of a land. reaction in the room. None. Maybe he got lost in translation. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I think he's gotten so used to everything he says seeming funny to everyone. Yeah. He's people laugh press at it. Conference stuff yeah. to people. So when it falls flat in that room, yeah. that to me, I'm always the most impressed by stand-up comedians and their response to bombing. Coach wasn't quite as prepared for that day. Yeah, he was like, yeah, oh, no. God, well, it's a big room. He, he, 
<laughs> that was, I mean, just dead silence in that room. Listen, in their two losses, Tua has thrown two touchdowns, two interceptions. They put up their two lowest scoring totals because that's the only teams they've beaten are, are teams with under 500 record. They play the better teams. They lose to Buffalo 48-20 to and Philly 31-17. Those are the lowest totals they put up all year offensively. And now you're t- going against a Chief team that just got beat by Denver. I I see the Chiefs uh, winning this one in Germany. Uh, I know Miami has the explosive power, but we have seen them kept down a little bit by better teams. And I just think KC coming off that loss is going to be really, really trying to show something. So the yeah, change that, of that scenery the does not yeah. help them. Going overseas does nothing. No, okay. no, I don't think so. Good beer, but you know. Huh. Yeah, it's it, it's it is the interesting question now that I think people are going to start to say about the Dolphins. There's this idea that there's a total dichotomy between who they are against bad teams and good teams. But I I, I do wonder, Dad, how we would perceive this Dolphins season overall if the final score against Denver was just like 31 to 17. If it was like a much more normal NFL beatdown right, rather right. than them putting up yep. 70 points, how we would talk about this Dolphins team overall from one of the best offenses that we've ever seen to just a very good offense yeah, and yeah. also would be more acknowledging of the injuries that have been hindering them up front right now. I think I saw Teron Armstead was back at practice finally, their left tackle that had been out for the last few games, I believe since the Chargers game. I wonder if it would make us more acknowledge, more acknowledging of some of their obvious flaws that popped up during this run. We will get to more NFL coming back after this. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Who in the world of NBA is not familiar with the Woj bomb, okay? We all know and love <laughs> them. Woj is the ultimate NBA insider, as evidenced by the fact that he was the one to break the James Harden trade news at the lovely hour of 2.08 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday morning. And he did it by hanging out in Newark Airport all night, you guys. So this man is at the airport, ready to board a flight to L.A., And it was suggested to him that maybe he shouldn't get on a plane where he might not have Wi-Fi because, like, you know, someone's like, there could be some important news. So basically, he just stayed in the airport and he said he got kicked out of the lounge he was in. He watched the airport shut down. He watched it start to basically almost open back up. And (laughs) this sounds, you know, he got to break the news, but this just sounds awful. Yeah, spending the night in the airport is something you try and avoid at all costs. We've all had to do it at some point. If you play the game long enough, eventually you take that kind of L. Mm -hmm. But, Dad, between this story here, which is, I think, a 
a little more mundane on that scale. We've heard the perils of these guys traveling before, but you couple this with the Shams piece that got put out the other week, talking about how much screen time he logs and how much he logs on vacation and about how these guys are basically never connected. I don't know if there's enough money in the world for if you gave me the hypothetical where I got that salary, but I had to become an NBA or NFL insider. It seems like a truly miserable existence. But, I mean... There's no doubt he's the top of the mountaintop for any insider in any sport, right? I mean, he is it. Because other insiders at times have gotten ripped by players. Woj doesn't. Players go to Woj. I mean, the dude is unbelievable in his information of who he has, of who he talks to, and who talks to him. It's incredible. So, But I'm with you. I mean, you are always on without a doubt. And 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 being in an airport all night, you're right. We, we've all been down that road. But... Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's part of it. You always have to be on the ready uh, for when this stuff happens. But, you know, it's also nice to be, you know, the, the, the pinnacle, you know, in your uh, profession at what you do, and that's where he is. I guess, but sometimes I think about this a lot in sports. I actually talked with this uh, uh, with Dan Levitard and a couple of the guys over there when they were out in Los Angeles for their show about how, and, Dad, you've been around some all-time great players or coaches like – what it takes for you mentally to be in a place where you can end up becoming one of the best at what you do. Yeah. And in this yeah. case, the kind of obsession to do that, it often leads to once you're done with sports, a lifestyle that can't, like, isn't always the healthiest because you're chasing that high and you're used to having this myopic worldview that has you only going after and knowing how to try and achieve this one thing. And when it's done and you're gone, you're left really wanting for something you can't see. We see it with how miserable Michael Jordan is half the time, despite yeah. the fact that he's a billionaire. So I, I do think that there's always something to that where I'm like, you know, I'm kind of comfortable being like, pretty good at what I do but having to do it and be that I've seen what you've got to be to be that and yeah. I don't know if I want that yeah what you have to give up how many times you know I listen Kobe Bryant one of the greatest of all time but I mean this man was always training always practicing and I always loved his if I was practicing with somebody else and they weren't practicing hard they were not getting the ball and you know all the stuff that makes you one of the greatest of all time I, I'm with you that's that's why there's there's few of them that and that's also why we hang on to Nikolai Jokic, right? And say, okay, you be our guy. You go down as one of the greatest of all time, but let your sport be third on your list, <laughs> you know, of, of what. And now he may be playing us a bit on that as hey, well, no, but we're going to let him, we're going to let him do it. We're going to, you know, we're going to let him do it and just know he likes to hang out in Serbia with his horses, with his family. And oh yeah, I got to get in the gym and on the court every now and then to get ready for an NBA season. Yeah, we stay in our work-life balance, King, here. The uh, millennial-slash-Gen Z god that is Nikola Jokic. Um, you did mention uh, one of the other goats, Dad. We've talked about it a couple of times on this show. Uh, we had the Clippers in action last night against the Lakers. Right. Lakers had a bit of a losing skid against the Clippers overall. We know James Harden, and that trade finally went through. He was in street clothes last night. Obviously, nowhere near ready to see the court yet with that uh, deal just going through. But everyone else out there and available, and the Lakers were down big early in this game and end up storming back and winning in overtime. And, Dad, Darvin Ham has to feel like a parent who is losing a battle against their teenager right now because LeBron James versus this minutes restriction oh. so far has been just an overwhelming ass-whooping. LeBron goes well beyond that, like, 20, like what is it, 28, 29-minute so, range they wanted to have him, and he's averaging about 35 minutes a game so, so far. here are the games for him, and it's supposed to be a 28 to 30-minute range. First game, he went 29 minutes. 
then 35, 39, 33, and last night, 42. So, yeah, not not sticking to that too much just yet. And, you know, listen, he put up 36, 12, and 7, so it's not like he's not getting the job done, but we all know why they're supposedly talking about doing that is wear and tear on an 82-game season, and then certainly what they're hoping for is a postseason run as well. So yeah, that will be interesting what his what his average is for the year as far as minutes played. And then and then there's the Clippers trying to build that championship player with a bunch of 30-somethings and Harden, you know, set to set to jump in with that group soon. Kawhi goes for 38, Paul George 35. They obviously have a lot of talent on that team. But for them, like like other teams out there, it's championship or bust, right? Especially when you make a move like this, give up assets you give up, and have guys who are pushing 35 years old as leading your teams. Outside, again, I think Kawhi is 32 or 33. The youngest of those four out there, of Westbrook and Harden and Paul George, is you ain't got a, you ain't got a lot of time to make hay with this. No, I mean, that has the feel, albeit I, I think with better players still, obviously, of the Lakers team a couple of years ago where yeah. everybody, it was LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, and then right. they brought Carmelo Anthony over there, and you just had this geriatric millennial team that was going out firing up shots. I, I think with this Clippers team, they could they should fare a little bit better than that. But with the Lakers, part of this was, hey, you had to force this because you're still down a bunch of guys. Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, a bunch of names that weren't in the lineup for the right. Lakers. Has LeBron having to go out there and put on the cape? But he did. I mean, in the waning moments of this game where you've got you know guys being able to just toss LeBron James ignorant lobs still as he gets toward 40 years old is pretty insane, pretty remarkable, but uh, definitely worrisome to anybody who believes that that game limit is something LeBron should be uh, abiding by here. So we'll have plenty more time to get to that. But, Dad, while we're talking basketball, uh, the world of hoops, uh, college and pro, and, and mainly college, lost an icon yesterday in the Hall of Famer, Bob Knight, who passed away at the age of 83. Dad, one of the, I would say, most preeminent figures in the world yeah. of coaching, period, and someone who everybody of a certain age knew and aware of, and obviously much more in your era as well. Yeah, this this was definitely my era. Still the last undefeated uh, college basketball team as Hoosiers in Indiana in 1976. He was a guy, you know, you talk about, you know, old old time coaches, right? Old school coaches. Well, this was about as he was about as old school as could be in an era where, you know, that tough coaching was accepted. And even in that era of tough coaching accepted, he was beloved and he was hated for the way he tough coached, you know, became physical with some players. Obviously the incident with throwing of the chair and just some of his words out there, there were those that loved that style. And oh, by the way, he won. I mean, remember this was a guy, he was the younger, I believe youngest ever still division one basketball head coach. He was his first head coaching job was army. He was 24 years old when he was a head coach at army. So, and then has obviously the long run at Indiana, then finishes up at Texas Tech. When he was done coaching, he had 902 wins. That was the top at that point. Obviously, there's more a handful or so ahead of him now, but that was the tops at that time. But, but just, I mean, a polarizing figure, as I said, both good and, and bad as well, was the head coach of the 84 Olympic team uh, as well with that won a gold medal. So, his career was really incredible, uh, like I said, on the positive side and then on certainly the negative side. The cool thing was he kind of got back together with Indiana again, I think in 20 or 21, where you know he went back 
to to the court and in front of the crowd and, and talk with everybody and and kind of kind of was the forgiveness phase. So that was good to see. But uh, boy, what a life! What a tenure! What a head coaching uh, world he was in. Yeah, he proves the difficult task that comes to sometimes eulogizing people we've lost who are complicated figures, and he certainly was that. Uh, I don't know if there's few people with something more well-known as Bob Knight is with that chair, but rest in peace to the late Bob Knight. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament all the way through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. So whether you're bought in on heat culture at this point or think the Boston Celtics can survive a bump in the road, we got options for you. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code GOJO only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, ESPN NBA analyst, former coach PJ Carlismo is a man of many talents, okay, 239 career NBA wins as a head coach, three-time NBA champion as an assistant coach with San Antonio, and he was an assistant coach for the 1992 U.S. men's basketball team, the Dream Team Baby. PJ joined Gojo yesterday for a wide-ranging NBA convo. They got into all kinds of good stuff, so let's go ahead and take a look at that right now. All right, excited to welcome into the show someone uh, considered an old friend, got to work with a bunch, and uh, one of the best NBA analysts in the business right now, PJ Carlissimo, kind enough to join us now as we're getting started with the season. PJ, how you doing? Excellent, Michael. It's good to be with you. Um, glad the older man's not there, so I, I, you know, I can hang in. I, I, I wanted to be, I have someone a little closer in age, but I miss seeing him. I know he misses you too. He definitely passed that along. Dad's in transit right now, but this is good. We can cut out the middleman and just have some us time here exactly. and talk a little bit of ball, which is uh, it's got to be exciting right now. You know, we've got we just had the sports equinox earlier this week, so we've got all four majors going on at the same time right now in North America. But with the start of the NBA season, there has been no shortage of action between the moves on the court and off the court. I want to start with that. We finally had the James Harden trade this week that everybody's been waiting on here, making his way out to the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Yet another move for him. How do you see this playing out now with him joining up with that trio in Los Angeles? Well, I hate to say, I mean, the first thing you always have to say about the Clippers, unfortunately, is it it comes down to health. Um, That's a scary roster. Um, if they're healthy, uh, if PG and Kawhi can play enough games, you know, people can say whatever they want about James and the disruptions and what's gone on. When he's been on the floor, he's played very, very well, particularly in the regular season. Um, 
Ty Lu, I'm a big Ty Lu fan. I, I think he's very good. I don't think it's going to be easy to figure out how they want to play and uh, you know integrate them into it. I think they've got the, you know the one more game, obviously uh, that I, I don't even think they'll be eligible for. I don't know if the, the trade's been consummated yet. But then they have they, they catch a nice break. They have four days off to get a couple practices in before that East Coast trip. I'm anxious to see them play. Uh, I don't know what kind of shape uh, James is in. I assume P.J. Tucker's in good shape. Um, But, you know, to me, James is never that far from good shape. So uh, I'm anxious to see them play. Uh, It didn't turn out to be the blockbuster big names going uh, east and west, but there were were a lot of good players moved. Uh, There's a lot of duplication in it. I'm sure I would think Nick Nurse is just happy to know who his roster is, at least for now, and start figuring it out. Uh, Sixers have actually played well without James to, to this point, which it's been really impressive. Uh, they, they basically could be undefeated. They've played that well. So uh, trades to me are always, you know, let, let's wait and see. If it's a couple of huge guys that, you know, usually you say, well, you know, this is going to work out. There, There's a lot of question marks. Uh, more so in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles being in the West makes it even tougher. But uh, if that group is healthy, I'm still not sure what Phoenix has. You talked about, uh, you know, your family's going to be in Arizona for the next six months um, with the good weather. Um, I'm not sure what they have. I don't know if you've gotten to see him in person yet. What have you made of Victor Wembanyama and the early returns for him in San Antonio as he works through some of that with minimal on-court time with the team before it? Haven't seen him play in person yet. Kesty and I got to do, I don't. I think it might have been the second interview. I think Malika might have talked to him first when he came off the stage at the draft. And, uh, of course, Kesty and I were there. Uh, Kesty was in, was in studio. I'm sorry, Alan and I were there. Um, it was it was impressive. I couldn't believe just how together he was. Tom James, the longtime Spurs PR guy, had told me, he said, you're, you're going to be really impressed when you talk. A, just how he handles the whole deal. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, I watched the interview, uh, throw a plug to other network. Obviously, there are partners to watch them on TNT postgame. He's sitting there doing doing the interview, and he comes up with good answers to the questions. Pop, every single person I've spoken to in San Antonio is super impressed with his attitude, with the fact that he wants to be a good player. He knows he's got a lot of room for improvement. He knows he doesn't know very much about the NBA. And he's just drinking in whatever they're giving him. He wants to be coached. He doesn't mind if they jump on him when he makes a mistake. And Pop's kind of got a inaccurate uh, appraisal because every once in a while when he goes, he used to call it going Serbian. When he goes Serbian on the sideline, people see that and say, boy, he's on his guys all the time. He's really not. Uh, he, he doesn't coach that way day in and day out. Uh, he knows who you can push, who you can't. Um, he, he'll lose it every once in a while, but that that's not his normal style. But Victor's drinking it in. He's been great. Not only the, the Spurs people, but the other coaches I've talked to, the other front office people, Mike, the answer is exactly the same from everybody else. Like you say, well, how good is he? Is he They're going better than we thought. Even We heard so much about him. He's even better than we thought he was going to be. Um, he, he, his skill set is ridiculous. I think they're still trying to figure out how to use him, frankly. I mean, when you, got, when you have a guy who is such a force at the rim, like it just changes the game. I'm watching the Phoenix game last night. I'm, I'm not sure when this is going to air. I apologize. But um, – KD, when Victor's on the bench, is driving in, he's dunking the ball. All of a sudden, Victor's back in the game. 
Kevin got one in there over him, kind of threw a block. But, I mean, it's night and day when he's on the floor and when he's not on the floor. So, like, do you keep him near the rim? He's so good offensively shooting the ball. A lot of bigs in the league are going to be too slow, and you want to get them away from the rim also. So how much do you play him outside? How much do you let him shoot threes? How much do you let him put the ball on the floor? He makes at least one or two moves every game where he makes two or three dribbles and goes in. He also gets stripped every once in a while. So, I mean, it's almost like you're putting somebody together and like, what pieces do I put on it? He's got all the pieces. It's just a question of him learning the league and Pop and, and the staff figuring out how do we want to use this guy. And I think Pop would be the first to tell you, they still learn something almost every game. He still does something every game. You can see them kind of looking at each other on the bench saying, did you see that? I think that's part of the fun is it does feel like every day we're opening up a new Christmas present with him. and We're going to watch him continue to unlock these skill sets and these new abilities. One of the things that's going to be new for everybody, you talked about the midway point of the season and how much teams are going to learn in that time. There's also going to be the newness of at that point, they're going to be then thrown this midseason tournament that Adam Silver has been very excited about integrating into the league this year. How do you think teams are going to approach this new idea and new concept the first time out? Well, I tell you, I'm really impressed with the reaction from the players. Uh, I should do a, a full disclosure. When, when Adam had the idea for the play-in tournament, I was kind of shaking my head going, man, I don't know, you know if this is going to work, but A, Adam's the commissioner. B, I like working at ESPN. I want to keep my job, so I wasn't going to say it's a dumb idea. Uh, and it turned out it wasn't just a pretty good idea. It was a great idea, and it's it's almost gotten better every year. Last year you saw – what Miami and the Lakers did, you got two teams coming out of the play-in and one goes to the conference finals, the other goes to the NBA finals. Um, so that was great. My initial reaction was, who's going to care about this? You know, we're playing, these games are being played anyhow. It's November, December, which is kind of, I think, Adam's point. Uh, it's it's kind of that you talked about what a great time it was the last couple of weeks because all the different uh, professional leagues are going at the same time. Uh, and college basketball is even ready to start cooking right now. So, but um, the players, every player saying the right things. I mean, you know, I know some guys are going to say the right things anyhow, but usually, you know, there's a couple guys that have no problem saying this is a dumb idea. Why are we doing this? No, no one's saying that. They seem to be embracing it. Um, it it's interesting. I'll be amazed if, if even the most rabid fans know what the five groups are, like six groups, who the five teams are in their group. But I know Kesty and I are going down ESPN Radio. November 21, we're going to be at Cleveland at the Sixers, uh, a first-round game, if you will, one of the initial four. And then we're not doing the quarterfinals, but we're doing both semis in Las Vegas December 7, and we're doing the championship game December 9 in Las Vegas. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, people are cynical. There are a lot of people saying 500000 uh, isn't that much money to, you know, the guys making, you know, multi-millions. May not be, but I'll tell you what, to the assistant coaches and to a lot of the other players on the team, 500 is going to get your attention. I know you guys are going to be great on that. Fired up, you get to make the trip to Vegas. And certainly looking forward to that. And everything else you described is a lot of fun stuff set up over the course of this NBA season that we're all looking forward to. PJ, cannot thank you enough for the time. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do this as we get closer to you guys getting out there for this playing tournament. Mike, I hope so. Best to Dad. It's great being with you. Awesome. Thank you again. Appreciate it.
It's Kentucky Derby time. Are you ready for the greatest two minutes in sports? Saddle up with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Download DK Horse now to join the Run for the Roses action. New customers can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See terms at DKHorse.com. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. So I feel irresponsible as a journalist for what's gone on already today on this show because while we've talked some about the Texas Rangers win in the World Series over the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we will talk more coming up later in the show when we have a great guest join us, I neglected to mention the fact that part of this World Series run has been attributed to the growing force inside of sports led by Creed. And this locker room galvanizing song that we've seen sweep this great nation. And dad, it's a great harbinger of things to come because apparently yesterday you were out at Notre Dame's football practice and you heard a very familiar sound. Yeah. Yeah, out there, and uh, now everybody plays music all the time. By the way, every stadium in the college and NFL has DJs now uh, spinning the tunes, as they say. Uh, But yes, I was out of practice. Yeah, I don't know. I was out of practice, and all of a sudden, yeah, Creed started playing. I I had to tape it and send it to the family to say, Creed is everywhere right now, man. They They are it. They are it. If you are a sports team, uh, they are the way to go. They are the music to play. I've been amazed. It's a copycat league when it comes to this. We've seen the Rangers. Yeah. We heard, um, I think I heard yesterday that the Vikings, I don't know if this was before one of the team press conferences or meetings, were playing Creed in honor of Kirk Cousins since obviously he's lost for the season, but Kirk had been one of the guys leading the renaissance for Creed in that locker room. What I desperately need now because – I feel like living through a Creed renaissance and seeing them get their just due as one of the most influential rock bands of the late 90s and the early 2000s. I now need one team to have the courage to make a deep postseason run led by the tunes of Nickelback so we can really exercise some demons because they have been often villainized wrongly during my lifetime just for pumping out bangers. I, I, I agree. I'm a big Nickelback fan as well. Uh, but to to back to the creed and what's going on with them, that's the thing. To use your word, Mike, they they have a few bangers out there, and they it's not like they don't sound good in stadiums either. They do. It sounds good. It's a great it's a great song for stadiums, for players, for fans. So it actually fits really well. It's well, and like Nickelback's their perfect Wario because Creed is technically a Christian rock band, and that's something yeah. that didn't register but with me in real said, time. No, they've they've insisted that they're not a Christian rock band. Okay, I they mean, just don't want to be. They don't want to be labeled. If Kirk yeah, Cousins. I'm, Stands by them. We can assume they're a Christian rock band. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think that's the exact point where I stop <laughs> believing your assertions that you're not a Christian rock band when Kirk Cousins has you in the Walkman getting over into practice in the Coles Cash outfit. That to me is when you lose that argument. 
Nickelback a little bit edgier. All I'm saying is somebody out there have the courage to loudly, proudly blast this in your locker room within range of reporters so we can get this started in the media cycle. I need this right now. Jesse, one man stepped in front of a microphone this weekend is going to try and step in front of this creed-fueled force in South Bend. And that man is Dabo Swinney. Did he give us any more gold this weekend? Yeah. So we played you his passionate comments on Tuesday as he (laughs) took that call from Tyler from Spartanburg. He came back at him and just, you know, had a little something to say about his salary, his 4-4 and record, blah, blah, blah. But at his weekly press conference ahead of Clemson's matchup with Notre Dame, Swinney took the opportunity to just expand on some of those comments, guys. I don't care if, if it's a pro athlete. I still don't think it's acceptable to destroy people. I don't think, I don't, I, people make a living by just attacking people. It's sad. And I don't think that's okay. I don't care if they're, if it's, um, I mean, I don't even know, uh, Trevor Lawrence playing for the Jaguars right now. I, it is, I don't care. I don't care what he's paid, man. I don't think, you're still human beings, you know, and I still think there's a way to have fair criticism without, you know, just completely demeaning someone's humanity, which is now the clickbait society that we live in, and it's acceptable. I think that's sad. The adults have left the building in this country. Guys, I got to say, I think he makes a really good point. I'm going to be honest with you. I think he makes a really good point because in this age of the internet, and now we're so emboldened that we do it in person, it's pretty savage if you sit back and think about it. The Tyler from Spartanburg is just ranting about, like, you know, your salary and what you deserve and blah, blah. I mean, that's kind of crazy. He, he makes a great point, but it's like a, it's like a Magic Johnson tweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we all know it. We, everything he said, we all think and we all say. But apparently but we need not, a reminder. Yeah, well, but, but it's not reality. We can say it all we want on how you should treat people. How many times do we have to say, my God, you're sending death threats to a kicker in college or whatever? It, it's, it's idiocy. Those people are idiots who do it, but they're going to do it. Of course, what Dabo said makes 100% perfect sense. But unfortunately... In this era of, of Twitter and easy to hide behind, you know, tapping a few keys, we don't. We don't. And, and I, I don't know how it's going back when people can hide behind their posts. Dabo for sure likes Creed, right? Yes. Ah, that's, well, if it's a religious we, band, yes. We've right. got to have somebody. Is Somebody in the Clemson beat has to ask Dabo if he likes Creed because that, along with Kirk Cousins, would cement them as a Christian rock band if that happens. So somebody get on that for me. He definitely seems like that kind of guy. And he's definitely right. My thing is with to settle in because Dabo made some compelling points. I said I liked that a little bit more than I expected when he went off on that caller. All these things are true. How's Notre Dame only a three-point favorite in this game? I, I know. T- tell me, Mike, you're not out. Again, I was at practice yesterday. When I go to practice, I don't like to talk a lot of ball. I just like to shoot the breeze outside of ball a little bit. So it's not like I got into this game when I was talking to people there. Though, not players or coaches, but talking to the ancillary people, a part of the program. Boy, everybody's stoked for a noon game. I'll tell you that much. Man, I there mean, is you're nothing back, quite like a good nooner. At, at an away game, noon game, when you're back in early evening, I mean, that is awesome. Like I said, I didn't. none of the players or the coaches, we sure. didn't discuss that because that, that's, that's not something you look but, at. Uh, let me tell you, 
I think it is. Well, no, it, we it, played it, one nooner it, during my time in Notre Dame. It was at and Pitt, we were right? all jazzed. It was at Pitt. Yeah, I don't even remember if we won or lost the game. Quite, you honestly. guys won what the a, game. I was, I was there. I was there on the sidelines. You, you guys won I, the game. But, but uh, you're right. Players think of it. But yeah, let me just say, because you're getting back at four o'clock right. in the afternoon, or like I, in that range, because you're yeah. a charter flight home. And in that case, we were close. You get back. You get to get a little nap in, get a dinner in, and then go start drinking. It's yeah, the perfect yeah. setup. I, I guess the way I should have said it is, I didn't bring that up with the players because that's not something to bring up with the players. You well, know, yeah, because you're a sixty year old man. So hey, asking you guys getting ready to come exactly. back out here and tear you this guys thing got a down. new game, man. You get to. <laughs> Home, but I mean, it's absolutely the players think about it. But back to the point of Notre Dame's a better team than Clemson. Notre Dame is a better team than Clemson, but that doesn't mean this game can't scare you. What I have holding in my back pocket since I, I, I won't be on tomorrow for this game is Notre Dame's defense is playing lights out right now. Al yeah. Golden has them going right now. And the offense, we've seen what they can do, and we're hoping you know they get back to that. You saw some of that, obviously, a bit in the last game, especially with Audrick Estime and the way he runs the ball. We know Hartman is an extremely good quarterback who throws such a, a nice ball. So I, 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 I still feel good about this game, but it is at Clemson. It is Dabo. I, even though they have four losses, there's just something about that. Yeah, and Notre Dame's been used to playing night games, so the noon game yeah. schedule is yeah. a departure from their norm on this season. They announced earlier this week that they had lost tight end Mitchell Evans for the season to yeah. an ACL injury coming off that last game, which is devastating. I mean, one of the biggest surprises on this Notre Dame team, Mitchell Evans, who had a great bowl game for them in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, but was not viewed, at least outside no. of the program, as the guy that was supposed nope. to step up and take that mantle from Michael Mayer as the next great Notre Dame tight end. End. So him being out is going to be a massive adjustment point for an offense that's gotten somewhat healthier at that position. Defensively, they get Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart in their corners who missed lots of last yep. game back. Ben Morris a scratch after a quad injury in warm-ups last week. And so all eyes going to be on that, but for a very motivated, I'd imagine, Clemson squad who just suffered the embarrassment of losing on the CW this last yep. weekend. Yep. One of many ACC favorites to do so. That's a dangerous football team, and this is a massive test of this Notre Dame team's maturity. We've talked yep, about that at multiple is. junctures of this season. Can you as a veteran team that is playing your best football right now in so many ways go out here and dial it in? Though the record says 4-4, four and four, looking on the tape, I'm sure you see a very different story told by all of the different future pro prospects, especially on that Clemson defense. 